You're listening to audio from City Light South Church. If you'd like to check out more resources and find ways to get involved, go to citylightsouth.org.au. Good morning, everyone. Uh, it's good to be here together in person and online for those who are online, even in this not great weather. So well done for making it out. Uh, if you're at home, you probably snuggled up and feeling good. Uh, and so even, you know, in the trials of life, we know that God is full of mercy and grace. Uh, he's with us and he's leading us in all of our lives, uh, even when things are a bit difficult like they are right now. Uh, and so even though life might be feeling like a lot, we can take comfort that God, who is God of the universe, he is leading us uh, and he is with us. Um, and we can take comfort in the fact that we're at our final week in Jonah. God's mercy for dummies. And so hopefully by the end of the today, if we're lucky, say that we are no longer dummies, we are moderate understanders of God's grace. So I think that'd be pretty good. And so today we're going to see that salvation comes from the Lord. Last week we saw the repentance of the Ninevites and God's mercy to them, and now the attention is back on Jonah. He's reacting very strongly to God's relenting on Nineveh. Jonah has some strong opinions. But God is not afraid to put Jonah in his place. This passage is a bit like a child when they're throwing a tantrum and their parent is going to show them just how wrong and unreasonable they are being. Jonah is mad because God showed mercy to Nineveh, but God is going to set the story straight. And that is because the main thing that we are going to learn is that God's mercy is his to give. God's mercy is his to give. So let's pray and ask God to help us this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the book of Jonah and what we've learned about your mercy so far. Would you please guide us this morning to see that you give mercy to those who you choose? Please help me to speak what is right and true and would we be led to glorify you all the more this morning, Lord? In Jesus' name, amen. Jonah was greatly displeased and became furious. He prayed to the Lord, please, Lord, isn't this what I thought while I was still in my own country? That's why I fled towards Tarshish in the first place. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, and one who relents from sending disaster. And now, Lord... Take my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. The Lord asked, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah left the city and found a place east of it. He made himself a shelter there and sat in its shade to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God appointed a plant, and it grew over Jonah to provide shade for his head, to rescue him from his trouble. Jonah was greatly pleased with the plant. When dawn came the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant, and it withered. As the sun was rising, God appointed a scorching east wind. The sun beat down on Jonah's head so much that he almost fainted, and he wanted to die. He said, it's better for me to die than to live. Then God asked Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Yes, it's right, he replied. I'm angry enough to die. So the Lord said, you cared about the plant, which you did not labor over and did not grow. It appeared in a night and perished in a night, but 
May I not care about the great city of Nineveh, which has more than 120,000 people who cannot distinguish between their right and their left, as well as many animals? This is God's word for us this morning. So, we're back with Jonah, and he is mad. He's so mad with God, and he begins to question God. And why does he do this? It's because Jonah thinks he knows better than God. And we learn that when we question the Lord, we think we know better. We question the Lord when we think we know better. And so from verse 1 to 5, Jonah was greatly displeased and he became furious. He prayed to the Lord, Please, Lord, isn't this what I said while I was still in my own country? That's why I fled toward Tarshish in the first place. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, and one who relents from sending disaster. And now, Lord, take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. The Lord asked, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah left the city and found a place east of it. He made himself a shelter there and sat in its shade to see what would happen to the city. And so we're going to see in this last chapter of Jonah that there is a contrast between God and his prophet. God turns away from his anger, but Jonah becomes angry. They're on opposite sides. There is a bit of a gulf between them. And so Jonah is mad and he prays to God and questions him. Didn't I tell you? Isn't this why I said what I said? This is why I fled. This is why I was disobedient. Jonah is pleading with the Lord. He's kind of like an angry told you so. Like, isn't this what I said would happen? And what I want, that is better. I didn't want to do this thing because I knew it wouldn't turn out the way I wanted. I know the way that things should be, not you. Jonah is mad because he thinks he knows better than God. And we see in Jonah's prayer why he fled. It's not because he was afraid, but because he knew God's character. Like Tyler mentioned a couple of weeks ago, Jonah was very familiar with who God was. Jonah knew God and he knew his word. When Jonah talks about God being a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, one who relents from sending disaster, that's very similar to other passages we see like Exodus 34 and a couple other places like uh, Nehemiah. And it suggests that Jonah knows his Bible and he knows that God is consistent with who he is. But Jonah did not want Nineveh to be forgiven. He wanted them to be punished. And what makes this all the more crazy is that Jonah knows God's heart, he knows his love, and he doesn't want that love shared. Jonah reacted with such great joy when he was saved in chapter 2. He worshipped God for who he was and how he saves, and now he's angry at God for those exact things because they were shown to Nineveh. Jonah is a hypocrite. He has no leg to stand on. If you imagine, maybe you're in primary school, you're with your friend and you're with another person, maybe you don't get along very well with that person or you don't like them very much, all three of you get in trouble for something. Maybe you were throwing water balloons at people or something. And the teacher says, I should give you all detention, but I'm going to let you off this time with a warning. So, you know, you say, thank you so much, I'm going to be better. All All the things you say to teachers when you're getting out of trouble. But then the teacher says the same thing to that kid that you don't like very much. So you get super angry and you say, 
hey, Mrs. Teacher, nah. They deserve detention. They should go to detention because what they did was wrong. And so obviously there is complete inconsistency because you're saying, me and my friend, we deserve to be let off, but not that other kid. And that is what Jonah is saying. Yes, forgive me, forgive Israel, but don't you dare forgive Nineveh. Jonah embraced the attributes of God that he listed here earlier in chapter 2, but now he's highly critical of them. He sees them as kind of God's weakness, which seems crazy to us. Like, we love those very lovable characteristics of God. But maybe unconsciously we sometimes do a similar thing. Do we write off God's grace for particular people? Do we maybe believe that a little bit God's grace is only for some people? That other people maybe don't deserve that second chance? Of course, there are like requirements. We need to repent. We need to turn to Jesus. But doesn't everyone equally deserve that chance that is on offer? Or more accurately, don't we all equally not deserve it? All fall sin, all fall short and sin, and they do not reach the glory of God. Israel was just as bad as Nineveh. We were just as bad before we knew Christ as anyone else who does not know Christ. God is ready to show mercy to all who repent, and so it is important for us to not write off people that God has not written off. And so now Jonah's anger is getting worse. He's so mad that he would rather die. And I think this is really like, you know, a kid throwing a giant tantrum. Kind of when, you know, a child might yell at their parent that they hate them or something. They don't really mean it. They're just trying to prove their point, that they are super angry. And God, he just responds with a brief question. Do you have any right to be angry? Which Jonah doesn't even answer. Jonah challenges God for not being angry, but now God is flipping the switch and he's challenging Jonah for being angry. And God responds by subjecting Jonah to the intense heat of the eastern climate. Uh, this is especially significant when we note that the Hebrew word for anger, to be angry and to be hot, are actually the same. Uh, a more literal translation is that Jonah burned with anger. And so God is going for a bit of a pun here, I think. He's saying, oh, you're burning with anger. Well, fine, I'll show you what it really is to burn, which I think is kind of funny. And so Jonah leaves the city to sit and sulk and watch what's going to happen, almost as if to say, God, you're clearly in the wrong, so let's wait and see if you finally work out the way that should, things should go and that you do things my way. And so even now, after God has questioned Jonah, he's still sulking and waiting for God to see the right path, which is his path, because he thinks he knows better. And how often do we think we know better? God, why aren't you doing things my way? I've asked to win the lottery like a hundred times and it still hasn't happened yet. Come on. Or maybe more serious things. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe you're asking for healing, for escape from a situation that you don't want to be in. Sometimes it's hard not to think that maybe you know a little bit better than God. Maybe you don't want people forgiven, people that maybe have hurt or wronged you. 
or you don't want to be sick, or you don't want to be in your current situation anymore. I should probably clarify when I say we question the Lord when we think we know better. I mean when we tell the Lord how wrong he is and how he needs to see the situation from our perspective because we know better. You can definitely lament to the Lord. You can ask him why things are bad or not how you had hoped. There is a difference between crying out to the Lord and asking him why whatever is happening is happening um, or telling the Lord that he's making a bunch of mistakes. And what I'm talking about here is that second kind. What are you doing, Lord? Do this instead. We don't want to tell God that we know better. We need to develop our trust in God's plans. We want to trust that his way is the best way and that it's the right way. God's way is the best way. And as we're going to continue, we see that God is going to teach Jonah that fact in their situation. From verse 6 to 8, Then the Lord God appointed a plant, and it grew over Jonah to provide shade for his head to rescue him from his trouble. Jonah was greatly pleased with the plant. When dawn came the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant, and it withered. As the sun was rising, God appointed a scorching east wind. The sun beat down on Jonah's head so much that he almost fainted, and he wanted to die. He said, it's better for me to die than to live. And so from this part, we're going to learn that God has the power to give and the power to take away. God has the power to give and the power to take away. Jonah's little shelter obviously wasn't very good because God appoints a vine to shade Jonah or a plant or we're not 100% sure. Some sort of plant. And we see that God's sovereignty, his control over this situation continues. And we've seen that throughout the book. God appoints the vine to ease him from his discomfort. This is cool because it's a little bit of a play on words because it can also mean to deliver him from his wickedness, which is interesting because God is about to use this plant as a lesson for Jonah. So Jonah responds to this unexpected deliverance of shade with great joy. His whole mood has changed. He got some shade and so now he's happy. And then what does God do? He continues with his lesson that he's teaching Jonah and he destroys the plant. We see a similarity between verses 6 and 7 in how they begin. God appointed a plant and he appointed a worm. God has both the ability to save and the ability to destroy. As the giver of life, God has the right to also take life away. He also appoints a great wind, which with the sun is going to give great discomfort to Jonah. The sun attacked him. He's going to burn. And this is too much for Jonah. He's weak, he's faint, and he again wants death. And while the words are the same, he thinks it would be better to die rather than live, Jonah's motivation is different. In verse 3, he challenged God's right to deliver, and he was so mad that he wanted to die. But now he's challenging his right to destroy and he's so mad that he wants to desire, to die. How dare you save Nineveh, and how dare you destroy the plant? God is showing Jonah up big time. Jonah is inconsistent. 
God's justice means that he could have inflicted his judgment on Nineveh. He has every right to. He's under no obligation to forgive, but he chose to forgive Nineveh. God gives life to the plant, and he chooses to take life away from the plant. Jonah does not get to decide who deserves to live and who does not. The power to decide rests with God. It is not for us to judge who is worthy of forgiveness and who is not. Jonah's focus is only on things that affect him. He says, I or me, nine times in this section. He's only worried about how things affect himself. He doesn't want the Ninevites forgiven because they are the enemy of Israel. He doesn't want the plant destroyed because it was serving him and giving him shade. Sometimes it can be hard for us to see beyond our own situation. It can be hard to see things from a higher point of view. It's very difficult. This could mean acknowledging God's forgiveness on people who have hurt you or have done wrong to you. It could mean preaching repentance to people who are your enemies, people you don't like. God calls us to love our enemies. And sharing the gospel is one of the best ways to love people. But it can be very hard. It is hard to show forgiveness and God's forgiveness to people who you feel don't deserve it. But that's not for us to decide. We don't decide who gets life and who does not. We should not think that we know better. We should not question God and tell him that he is wrong because God is the ultimate judge. God shows mercy to undeserving people because no one deserves his mercy. And so we submit to God as the one who will make these decisions. God is full of mercy. He's a compassionate God. He's slow to anger and he is ready to forgive. These aren't weaknesses of God. They are the reason we get to call God our Father. Why we get to experience his love that comes through Christ. And that's why we are saved. God has the power to give and the power to take away. And he gives us everything that we need in Christ. And he gives us life. God has the power to give and the power to take away. Now we come to the final section of the chapter where we see that God is the director of his mercy. God is the director of his mercy. From verse 9 to 11. Then God asked Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Yes, it's right, he replied. I'm angry enough to die. And the Lord said, You cared about the plant, which you did not labour over and did not grow. It appeared in the night and perished in the night. So may I not care about the great city of Nineveh? And has more than 120,000 people who cannot distinguish between their right and their left, as well as many animals? God again asks Jonah about his anger. Does Jonah have any right to be angry about the plant? And Jonah answers, certainly, yes, very much so. I'm so angry, I want to die. He's continuing with his tantrum. He's fed up. God, you didn't punish Nineveh, but you're happy to destroy my plant. But now God is ready. He's going to bring his lesson home to Jonah. Jonah is going to see that he is the one being unfair. Jonah is filled with compassion for a plant, but not for an entire city. He cares for one tiny aspect of creation, 
but not an entire city of people who are made in God's image. Jonah is the inconsistent one, not God. He also doesn't fully credit the Ninevites' evil ways to them. He says they do not know their left from their right. In other words, they have no idea what they're doing. And even if Jonah can't bring himself to care about the people, what about those poor animals that are there too? God shows his deep care for creation. What right does Jonah have to be angry about the plant when he doesn't care about 120,000 people and all the animals? But God cares deeply about the city, as he does for all cities and all people who are made in his image. There's another interesting little factor to consider here. Nineveh is the capital of Assyria, which would soon attack Israel and take them into exile. Jonah prophesied in Kings that Israel's borders would expand, but now he is unwillingly taking part in the future destruction and judgment of Israel. The destruction of the plant functions as a symbol to that future destruction of Israel. And it forces Jonah to finally acknowledge something that the sailors did, that the king of Nineveh did, and that is that God is in control. He has to acknowledge God's sovereignty. We see that it is God who has the right to destroy and the right to save. God is free to act as he pleases. Salvation comes through from the Lord. If God cares for his creation and cares for people, then you can be confident that he cares for you. God is ready to show mercy, to show forgiveness to you because he cares about you. And he cares about others. We should not be like Jonah, but like God. We should care for people and point them towards God's mercy. We have seen that God knows best, that he has the power to give life and to destroy it, and that he is the director of mercy. It's all up to God. And God has made a way for everyone to experience that mercy. God knew best, and he had a plan that he was working towards to give life to all who would accept it. He directs his mercy to all through his Son. Salvation cannot come through any other means than dependence on God's mercy. That Jesus came and redeemed us and saved us. We cannot work so hard that we deserve to be saved. He saves people that don't deserve his mercy because he chooses to anyway, because it is pleasing to him that his creation, which he cares so deeply about, is saved. God cares for you so much, he wants to show you mercy, and he does, in many aspects of our lives, but particularly through his son, because Jesus is the ultimate act of God's mercy. Jesus is the ultimate act of God's mercy. And so there's just a couple of things that I want to encourage you to do based on Jonah 4. When you find yourself thinking that God might have gotten something wrong or your plans maybe would be better, catch yourself. And remember that God knows best and his ways are the best ways. But his ways might be challenging for you. They might be harder. They might seem worse. 
But that is why we need to trust that God knows what he is doing and that he has a bigger plan than we can understand and that ultimately it is for our good, for our joy and is building towards eternity. An eternity in perfection that will outshine anything that we may experience in this world. God knows best. I also want to encourage you to remember that God has the power to give and to take away. Your salvation is not in your own hands. It is from God, the one who gives you life and who sustains it. Don't try to earn your salvation or make others earn it. Because God is the giver of life and he gives life through his son. So cling tightly to Jesus and your salvation is secured. God is the director of his mercy and he directs his mercy through Jesus. So I encourage you to faithfully embrace Christ and to share that message. Jonah led an entire city to repentance. Who might, be calling, who might he be calling you to in order that he can show them mercy? Jonah was very far from perfect, as we have seen, but God still used him to accomplish his plans. And so you don't need to be perfect. You can follow God and be used by him for good works without being perfect, without feeling ready. God can use you to bring others to Christ. Throughout Jonah, we have seen God's mercy on display, God's love for his creation, his love for people, people who were far from him, from the sailors to the Ninevites, and also to Jonah, who was disobedient and angry with God. But God is ready to forgive. Jonah's own words give us hope as we contemplate who God is and what he does for us. God is a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, and one who relents from sending disaster. We can trust in God's character. We can trust in our salvation through Christ, through his work on the cross. And because of this, we have forgiveness and assurance of God's mercy to us in our lives. God's mercy is his to give, and he chooses to give it to you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Thank you that you do show us mercy, that through Christ we are saved. Please help us to trust your judgment over ours, Lord, to not judge others and their right to experience your mercy. Thank you that you use imperfect people like Jonah to accomplish your plans. Please use us as well for good works, despite our imperfectness. We praise you for your good character, God, your compassion, your love and your mercy. And thank you for who you are and your love to us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for another message from City Light South Church. You can find out more about our church and connect with us at citylightsouth.org.au.